0: I've missed you, He's daring.
1: You can shoot him now, Pete.
0: can we keep him? He's a real hero. The West is a lot more exciting than I ever imagined. He's Briscoe County, Jr. Is that where you're from? No, ma'am, that's who I am. And he's out to no. paint the Wild West. All oh, work and no play makes Briscoe a dumb oh, boy. The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr., coming
2: Friday to Fox. Hey, everybody, I'm Illegal Machine. With me is Y'all, yeah, we Frank. And welcome to The Coming Thing, a Briscoe County Junior podcast.
1: I figured I'd uh, read just a little something off of uh, Wikipedia to help get people reintroduced since our format's going to be a little bit different in the succeeding episodes versus the pilot one. Uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Junior premiered on the Fox Network at 8 p.m. on Friday, August 27th, 1993, with a two hour pilot movie. To bolster viewer interest in the show, Fox rebroadcast the pilot two days after at 7 p.m. Briscoe's ratings for the pilot and first episode were high, particularly with the demographic of adults. 8 The pilot movie was followed by 26 episodes, each 45 minutes long, and airing at 8pm on Fridays. Fox Entertainment chief Sandy Grushaw openly touted Briscoe and its star Bruce Campbell. The network fully expected the show to be its breakout hit of the year, a distinction which eventually went to Briscoe's follow-up, The X-Files. Hoping that more viewers would follow Briscoe as it progressed, Fox approved producing an entire season of the show, despite post-pilot low ratings. Subsequent episodes failed to attract more viewers, and the show was cancelled at the end of its first and only season. This is the second episode that aired. There's a little bit of contention though because on the dvds it's actually the third episode listed and it may have been filmed to be the third episode but because i don't know better i'm going to go ahead and stick with the original air dates the orb scholar originally aired on september the 3rd 1993 chapter one was titled our ace in the hole and chapter two was rsvp to
2: rip it starts out with socrates socrates is his name right socrates pool that's, that's i right. feel like I, I know all these names and whenever we actually start talking about it they jump out of my head uh, okay socrates pool is playing golf ironically and he's doing like putting in his office and briscoe comes in and tells him he's got a lead on the Bly gang specifically Bly and that he is in what's the name of the city it's Poker Poker Flats oh, man. Poker Flats Colorado he knows this because one of his old childhood friends is the sheriff of uh, the Poker Flats I uh, already <laughs> left my head again
1: <laughs> and the fellow's name is Donovan Joe by the way
2: Donovan Joe good old Donovan Joe obviously Poole is excited and he decides to go ahead and take off on his own we get a nice little horse riding montage as he goes across the country to Colorado once he gets there he, he or on his way Way there, he runs into an older gentleman who is being held up at gunpoint and they're basically robbing his uh, his cart. Uh, Comet, Briscoe's horse, and Briscoe overthrow the two thieves and decide they're going to take him into town for judgment, for, for punishment. The uh, The older gentleman sort of tells him, I don't think this is a great idea. And he's like, well, why not? And he's like, well, you'll see when we get there. They get into town. He's riding past a, what do they call it? Is that? It's a hangman. Uh, gallows. A gallow. That's right. The gallows pole. So uh, they ride past the gallows pole. You can tell us Kind the, of, we we call it Chekhov's gallows pole, if you like. Sure, it doesn't look like the most welcoming place in the world. They approach the sheriff,
1: or who they believe is the sheriff. It's actually the deputy. Uh, that's right, Pugh, deputy, played by Robert Picardo,
2: who everybody will re- remember as what's his name from Star Trek, right? Was he was, he was the, in Deep he, Space Nine or was he he, in Voyager? No,
1: he was the Doctor on Voyager.
2: Doctor on Voyager. That's He's right. been
1: in tons of stuff, though. He was on Gremlins, yeah, 2 yeah. The New Batch. He was on China Beach, which is a show I used to watch. He's been in so much stuff. He's one of those guys.
2: Basically, Poole says, "Oh yeah, you, um, that's great. You brought those guys." in, but uh, drop your weapon because those guys are two of my deputies. (laughs) He's like, what? So what happens is he gets Briscoe gets thrown in jail along with this older gentleman, and we find out, of course, that the policing department of this uh, city here is not in the best of shape. While he's in the jail cell, he runs into, of course, Lord Bowler, because every episode of Briscoe County, he's got to run into Lord Bowler at some point.
1: He was following a lead on Bly and went into uh, uh, the bar for a drink. He realized the bartender was a crook, tried to bring him in for bounty, and said got himself arrested
2: yep and, and, and the crook went right back to tending bar again they really double down on this is not the best place anymore so at that point they look over and they notice that the old man sort of sketching in an old book briscoe looks at the old man and, and recognizes that he's sketching the orb and it's like how do you know about the orb and he's like what do you know about it and he was like you tell me what you know and he goes in to sort of recap the pilot episode
1: mm-hmm. and by the way this is, is professor Ogden Coles who says that he's been studying the orb his entire life even though we saw in the pilot the orb had just been unearthed and was just now becoming a bit generally aware the government was becoming aware of its existence so there's no telling how professor Cole's interacted with this thing
2: right is, is he has he been studying the legend of the orb uh, is are there multiple orbs how, do, how does he know anything about the orb it's left to be a uh, question his buddy donovan joe shows up the sheriff of the town and is like oh my god it's oh and I, we should say that earlier they talk about his life with donovan joe and how they knew each other and he said basically donovan, donovan joe owes him a favor because they used to work for his father father, they were out scouting when they were kids for, for a gang. Yeah,
1: a gang, if I recall correctly, and, and they right. go into a gulch or something. Donovan Joe books it out of there and leaves Briscoe on his own. The swill gang catches up with Briscoe, shoots him in the shoulder, leaves him for dead, and his father ends up finding him and nursing him back to health, and Donovan Joe had, had was in the wind from that point onward.
2: Right, so he's, that, that's the, the favor that, that he is owed. So uh, Donovan Joe shows up, and he was like, oh my gosh, Briscoe, I'm so sorry about this. You shouldn't have been, you know, get this man out of jail. So he tells Pool to get him out. Puel. Puel? pool, pool. That,
1: Yeah, it was a really bad idea to have a guy named Poole on a show and where Poole is one of the right. co stars. Yeah.
2: So uh, they get him out of jail along with the old man, and then he was like, You better get Bowler out too. And he's like, Bowler? He's like, Nah, I think I'm going to keep Bowler. And he's like, You said anything. And he's like, All right, I'll get him out. So they get Bowler out too. Fast forward a little bit, and it turns out, Was that immediately afterwards where they go and they dunk him in the well? Was it that quick? Donovan
1: Joe takes Briscoe out to dinner and is talking about how he's been haunted by that childhood incident. Mm. And it, it beyond haunted he's just been waiting for the day that Briscoe is going to come after him for you know setting him up he reveals that he did set Briscoe up it wasn't just that he was a coward and that uh, he's sick of looking over his shoulder and and he's ready to kill Briscoe but unfortunately he's uh, useful to John Bly who is working with Donovan Joe so Briscoe is captured by the crooked town and left in a well where he's basically waterboarded uh to try to get information out of him uh but he explains that the orb disappeared with uh big smith and you know he doesn't know where it is wouldn't tell you where it was if he did know and Bly's like all right well we'll just drop you down this well and you can drown and uh, he ends up uh breaking through a bit of rock and going over a small waterfall and escaping that death sentence
2: correct so at this point we, we catch up with bowler too who's going to get his his first meal now that he's out of jail Sits down, starts to of course bowler's freaking hilarious. He's ordering, being ridiculous. Uh, Poole shows up and he's, hey, Paul, why don't you go and take a seat with me and we can get something to eat there? And then I, I think he says he makes a joke about eating crow, and he's like, I don't see crow on the menu. And then, then they're dragging him out. Uh, it's you got to buy into the comedy in this show. It's it's supposed to be sort of a kooky kooky western. So as long as you're in the universe, it's pretty hilarious. And me repeating it into a microphone, not going to be quite as funny. Right. Well, so, and, and uh, also
1: it, it's important to note that there's no good reason for. Or the Orb Scholar or Lord Bowler to be released from jail just to set up the reveal of, of uh, Donovan Joe that he was a bad guy the whole time. It's just the contrivance of the show. It, as you say, you've right. got to buy into, it, it's sort of like uh, Roger Rabbit. It, you, you can't do the twist until it's funny. You know, it's, it's, it's contrived, but it, that's part of the fun of the show.
2: Right. Like, why, why would Lord Bowler stick around? Why wouldn't he just leave? I mean, I guess he's still looking for the, for Bly, right? But uh, anyway, he's it doesn't matter, people. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, because he's hungry oh yeah well he's Just hungry, like yeah. he was in
1: the bar because he was thirsty
2: yeah i think that the the line he says to uh the host when he walks in is the host slash surfer is do you serve jail food here and he's like or who knows it do you cook the jail food and he's like nope he's like good <laughs> he walks and he sits down that was the only uh that was the only criteria for his place to eat was whether or not they cooked the horrible jail food so of course they uh he gets dragged back to jail by pool people and they show him they're standing with a plate of jail food Wah, wah Um
1: And there's a whole bit where there's an a, a, a angry dog that they keep the uh, jail keys around his collar and nobody can get near this dog without getting their hand chewed off. Poole tries to feed him the food. The food gets eaten by the dog but the keys are still safely on his collar and it isn't until much later that uh, Lord Bowler fashions a hook out of his fork and manages to lasso a, a rug that the dog is sleeping on and slowly pull it toward him and get the keys loose. And then he tiptoes out of the jail cell afterwards and it, it it's definitely cliche it's definitely the kind of goofy stuff that you would expect from uh, an older TV show but it's handled so well the performance is so great that you enjoy it regardless
2: yeah and well and you should also mention that in the jail with him is the real sheriff who was overthrown by Donovan Joe mm-hmm. um, he and he's the one who out, tells curiously him curiously
1: enough you know from what best I can tell Bowler just sort of scoots out of there and doesn't worry about any of the rest of the guys
2: yeah, yeah but I, I love where he was like where he's talking about giving him the giving the dog the food and he was like I just gotta warn you anybody who's tried that ended up they can't they can't clap at the opera and he was like I don't like the opera of course mm-hmm. Bowler and I, w- one thing I love about Bowler's character is that this is only the, this is technically you know the first quote unquote real episode outside of the pilot and he is just like full on in character mm-hmm. like there's no feeling out he like even in Seinfeld you know Kramer wasn't Kramer in the first season mm-hmm. like he was sort he was very much the weird neighbor he wasn't Kramer like Bowler is he's already bowler it's just so funny to me that this early in the show he was that great I understand it only lasts for one season I get that people maybe he was gonna evolve in the second season but uh I, I love him he's he's so so good and he's hilarious uh well that
1: and in the pilot episode it makes it really seem like they're gonna be rivals you know it seems like they're rougher with each other in that pilot their relationship is not particularly warm even though they do end up helping each other out and it's funny how quickly that turns because they just realize how great Julius Carey was as Lord bowler okay. uh, how much he valued his brought to the show and just how well they worked off each other. And this episode really does help to define who Lord Bowler is going to be going forward. He was always that character. He was always 100% in character. But in this episode, we see the relationship forming that will carry the rest of the
2: series. Yep. Briscoe is back from his uh, journey down the well. He traps Pool Puel. in a restroom. <laughs> Poole in a restroom. So, oh, a, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, sorry. Tosses a skunk in there and tells him I'll give you the key back to the outhouse or the latch that I've just broken off. I'll give it back to you so you can get out as soon as you tell me where uh uh john bly's gone so he tells him heads over there catches john bly and there's a this is a great i love this sequence where he pulls where he's kind of standing in the corner and bly's like howdy stranger or something like that or can i help you stranger no he's he's saying
1: because he's he's at the the old bar and he's saying buddy if you're waiting for service you're going to be there a long time
2: oh that's right yeah you're right okay so then he he turns around of course it's like he keeps calling him county right he calls him county and he's like i should have known and of course he pulls a gun on him and or he pulls a, briscoe pulls a gun on on Bly. Well, but he'd already had the gun him,
1: drawn and ready to go he wasn't playing right, around right. with him and throws so, some uh, shackles at him to tell him you know hey you know handcuff yourself we're getting out of here
2: yeah and this is where i think they maybe kind of diverge a little bit from the way the, the pilot set it up because the pilot set it up as though i don't know maybe they maybe they didn't maybe i'm wrong here but they Bly really gives a I killed your daddy. Heavy speech about how you know you're you're just trying to walk in your daddy's footsteps. You're trying to finish off what he couldn't finish. Uh, I remember when I shot him dead. You know, and just like all, all this imagery. I know he's just trying to get him mad, but but they really double down on the you're just here trying to finish your daddy's business. Which in the first episode they were or the, the pilot, they were really clear that you know Briscoe, it was just kind of finishing the job his dad didn't do, not necessarily avenging his father's death. Yeah. Well, um, it's a
1: lot like when um uh Donovan Joe was. Confronting Briscoe and and for him, he's got this heavy burden and he's just been waiting on Briscoe to come capture him. And it Briscoe's like, you know, I'm not gonna forget that, but I forgive you. I don't you know, it it, it was in the past, you know, you you got scared, no big deal. Can you tell me where Bly is? You know, that's all he cares about. He has yeah. no interest in any sort of revenge scenario. But John Bly is so effective at turning the screws on him, because again, Big Smith, it was very overt that he was trying to screw with this guy that he wasn't sure could be Briscoe County, and County just wasn't taking the bait, where Bly I think is is really psyching him out, is really getting into his head. And it might just be that Bly is working at a whole other level and that's how he's able to to get Briscoe to agree to a fisticuffs to it. A man to man fight, no guns.
2: Right. And that's and that's the that's the end game is put your gun down and fight me like a man. And then of course Briscoe's like take the gun out of your boot first. So then because he 'cause he'd already dropped his his pistols and then he's like, Oh you got me and he pulls the gun out of his boot. Uh and just before they're about to fight, they're sort of squaring each other up. And that's when you find out some of Bly's guys are up in the rafters. Or up on the second floor and they've got what, what's Professor the Professor uh,
1: Ogden prof- Coles at gunpoint as well.
2: Professor Ogden at gunpoint, and it's like, oh man, we I got. It. So at that point, uh Bly picks up Briscoe's gun and says, not Oh, just you, this know, this, gun, you know. It is
1: your dad's gun. I get to yeah. shoot you dead with your dad's gun.
2: Shoot you with your dad's gun, and then and then I mean, I, I remembered parts of this episode, but not, but I shoots him, shoots Briscoe, and leaves him for dead. Goes full and, Scott Evil. Right. And, and of course, then he at that point he's got the uh the direction to, we find out that uh, Professor Ogden uh, knows so much about the orb because he has the orb and Bly's like, he, he had given the information to Bly about where it is and the Briscoe shaking his head like, no, don't tell him. Tells him where it's at and then he shoots Briscoe. So they leave to go get the orb uh, while the professor's there with one of uh, Bly's lackeys uh, and basically... <laughs> Like and Briscoe's bleeding out, and he's trying to talk to him, and 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 the guy's like, "Hey, I didn't even say you could talk to him." And the, and the pref- professor stands up and goes, "Do you smell smoke?" And he's like, "I do smell smoke." And he's like, "Those curtains over there, that window." the curtains are on fire and he's like the curtains are on fire and then he's like you better run into the city and get help and he's like the saloon's on fire and the dude just runs out of the building very bizarre so uh Briscoe was like how did you do that and he and he was like not only do, oh, the reason I know so much about the orb or no doesn't he just say it's a, the orb he gives a very I can't remember what his answer is to that
1: sort of yes
2: but but, but he sort insinuates the orb has given him the power to do what he had just done essentially
1: the cloud men's minds like the shadow I love how that was handled
2: so then he, he he runs out to get the orb, comes back. Oh, no, no, At the Bowler shows up, right?
1: Yes, uh, while the uh, professor has disappeared to go get the orb on the other side of town from where he said, told why it was, uh, Lord Bowler shows up, sees that Briscoe's got shot, knows that he's on his way out, and the the two of them begin basically bonding over the fact that, you know, Lord Bowler never had anybody. His, his mother uh, died when he was 11. His dad died when he was just an infant. Uh, he used to have to go to church with, I think, uh, uh, you know, he went like twice a week because his mother didn't have anybody to sit for him and uh, so and she sang in the choir so he learned how to sing at the choir and Briscoe's like man there's no way you, you can sing and he's like I sing like an angel and then he proceeds to do like a whole verse of uh, Amazing Grace beautifully.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, fantastic job.
1: Very soulful yeah, and that's one of those things you, you got to know they must have known who this guy was Julius Carey and just wrote that moment in for him and gave the episode time to let him sing a verse <laughs> of Amazing Grace.
2: Yeah I, I thought that that whole scene was really really good. Good. And again, it's Bowler. Again, I think Bowler stole that scene too. Not not just be pre, before the singing. Just you could t- care. He was really like like no, don't die, Briscoe. Like I don't like you, but don't die. You well, know, see,
1: it, it's much easier for Bruce Campbell to lay on the floor and and just be scared that he's about to die. Uh, it's much harder for Lord Bowler to be this big, you know, a uh, 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 braggart and and this this you know just a uh, uh, self self involved and aggressive person for him to soften the way that he needs to to recognize that this guy's on his way out and to to show him you know human affection and also to compromise himself because he's sitting in the middle of a bar singing John blind as people could be back anytime to shoot him in the back I was actually kind of resenting Briscoe for putting Lord bowler in a situation where he might end up on the floor his own self um, but it was a great bonding moment
2: so then at that point uh, the professor shows back up with the orb walks in with the orb um, sets it down and tells Briscoe to touch it and he's like I- I'm not gonna touch it he's so you had to tell me what it is before I touch that thing. And he just so tells him the orb is faith. It's not time for you to die. You need to touch the orb. So he reaches over, pulls one of the rods out, and of course, Boulder's like, "What is going on?" He gets sh- shocked by it, and then he pulls a gun on the professor, thinking that the professor just killed Briscoe. And then uh, the professor like gives him like like a nod, and then kind of vanishes. At that point, they cut to Bly and Donovan as they're opening up the doors to this horse stable where the uh, uh the orb is supposed to be, and there's this bizarre like rush of wind that rushes over Bly and he just sort of stops and they're like what's wrong he said "Uh, it felt like someone just walked over my grave he's like Briscoe County is alive and he's like and Donovan Joe was like no 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 no. he's dead you shot him he's dead and he's like you need to go back and finish the job and he's like I don't need to go back there he's definitely dead you definitely shot him he's dead and he was basically like you got to go back there and finish the job and if and then he he made some comment about how if, if you if you finish the job you'll see me again so so he goes back and as he's uh, r- running back to the saloon you see Briscoe trotting on Comet towards him perfectly fine obviously. Uh,
1: well and what's funny too is there are several moments from this episode that are in the title sequence for the rest of the series and one is him slowly trotting up with the, that horse and on the, the in the, the credits it's just like oh yeah it's just a nice little you know cowboy how a course no big deal but is played in the scene it's you know at nighttime, the winds blow it's almost entirely silent they're right by the gallows this is a guy who's supposed to be dead and gut shot and instead he's on his horse just you know coming straight you know straight at you not in any particular hurry and it's scaring the, the bejesus out of uh donovan joe
2: and he's just firing his gun and not hitting anything it's a really good shot of him just firing his gun and they cut to briscoe slowly walking with that smirk on his face and he keeps firing his gun and then when he gets off the horse he tries to unload his gun the rest of the way and it's empty so then they, they're talking and he's walking uh donovan Joe up the steps of the gallows pole, and then uh, I don't know. He gives him a speech about how what, what was part of his. Uh, I, I know he had some quip there at the end. I don't he, recall.
1: What, what I can say is he strips the the sheriff star off. That's Donovan what it joe. was. He
2: yanks the he yanks. The, he's like you're no longer the sheriff of of uh, poker, whatever. Yeah, and then he triggers the, the
1: dead drop, and Don joe goes falling through. But of course, his neck isn't in the noose, so he just hits the mud.
2: Right, and then <laughs> Bowler runs to the bottom, and he was like, "Well, that was dramatic." And Briscoe goes. I was an English major, but a theater minor. So even to the, you know, the, the sort of demented ending there, they managed to put in a little bit of humor. But it is
1: funny how this show, I mean, you can see that there's so many influences in here because at its base level, it's Wild Wild West with the uh, sci-fi mixed with the Western and the, and the kind of lighter comedy elements. But then you've got the moment where he pulls the rod from the orb and that very clearly evokes the sequence at the end of Rage of the Lost Ark when they're opening the Ark of the Covenant and all this blue light's coming around. You don't know what to make of it, but you definitely get the sense of some force greater than mankind present in this room and here at the end of the show you they're doing a high plains drifter riff which is about as dark and is about as far from the aesthetic of uh briscoe county as you can get but in the context it actually works
2: yeah i i I liked the i mean this episode as a whole was kind of (laughs) dark i mean the you know between the 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 border town not it's not really a border town but just the rundown uh and
1: the corruption and the yeah the corruption
2: of the city it's been overthrown the fact that this is briscoe's childhood buddy who not only duped him once it turns out but then duped him again and turns him over to bligh uh well, bligh thinks and, he's killed him twice in this episode once actually shooting him and he almost perishes from the gunshot wound uh, i mean there's just, there's a lot going on in this episode
1: and as you said a lot of great lines a lot of great lord bowler moments you definitely if, if you weren't on board with lord bowler in the pilot this episode made sure you did and the best line in the episode two is when professor coles meets lord bowler in the jail cell and coles hears the name lord bowler and says that's a completely fictitious title i presume and bowler's like no i just made it up <laughs> i <laughs> yeah, love that line
2: great, dude no i just made it up uh yeah so i, I loved it there was some really funny moments in this episode and then like i said I, I really really liked the scene in the saloon between briscoe and Bly, where they finally kind of meet for the first time mm-hmm. and they have this sort of tango where they're circling each other you know going back and forth um um, well, it's I, funny, I, though, because
1: Bly is a really slight fellow. I'm not sure how tall he is, but he's obviously extremely lean, which is why he probably wears those big billowy sleeves. Yep. Um, and then Bruce Campbell is underplaying Briscoe County. He's definitely wanting to be a hero, but I also think he's trying to play the anxiety or the ambivalence because he's not really sure how he's going to approach Bly, if he's going to be you know, the man that he's been portraying himself as in the pilot, who's above all this revenge stuff, or if he's going to go ahead and kill the guy who killed his dad. And so he's in a vulnerable moment and so when you see these two guys circling each other it's not like a big macho moment like you get from an action movie these guys feel compromised and small a little bit the testosterone in the room but there is definitely a tension and especially Bly is able to talk himself and the audience into a place where you still feel stakes in this confrontation
2: and man he is so creepy yeah he's just super creepy because he I think part of it is because he's so he's so thin Mm -hmm. and just the way he talks he's very very bizarre well, Billy and Drago off-putting.
1: is basically the next generation of Jack Palance. And I almost think that he modeled himself after Palance because he had that same serpentine hissing sound yeah. that he spoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had somewhat similar bone structure he had that kind of like overly smooth skin where it almost like feels like it's drawn a little too close to the skull. And yeah, he, he definitely gives you that creepy vibe, and he's going for it. and He does a great job selling that.
2: He reminds me of the priest from Poltergeist. I can see, like, but again just...
1: the same same kind of like that bone structure and that tightness of the face.
2: And then with the hat and everything, and then mm-hmm. the way he talks, with the, like you said, with the ser- the serpentine kind of almost hissing, mm-hmm. it's uh, ooh, he's very off-putting to me.
1: And, and i got to make another confession. As, as I've said in the past, you know, about the movie Roadhouse, where two of my great American heroes, Sam Elliott and Patrick Swayze, Dalton and Wade Garrett, these are like my man idols. i got to tell you, as nuts as it is, I love, love, love the way that John Bly dresses. I love the hat. I love the pirate shirt. I love the vest. He was an aspect inspirational figure because I just thought he looked so damn cool with the long hair and everything else. I, mean, I never got there either but if I could have I'd have gone for a John Bly.
2: Yeah and, and there's no mistaking that dude's a bad guy. Mm. <laughs> like there's no mistaking it. This dude is like it's all black with the puffy white shirt underneath. I mean he looks like a freak like you said, like a pirate. He looks mm. very piratey. This was I thought for all the main figures in this show going forward this is a very good episode for each of them. Yeah.
1: Well uh, one thing I want to point out too is you know I've always loved this show and I've I've wanted to watch this show and either blog about it do a podcast about it forever. So it's time to go ahead and get this podcast out. You and I got together and recorded our first episode, and it was only then that I realized that there was another podcast called Dead by Dawn, which covers the Evil Dead universe and, and you know, Army of Darkness, that material. And they'd covered everything up through the uh, last season of Ash vs. the Evil Dead. And looking to find something uh, in the Bruce Campbell over to continue the show with, at least until they knew what was going to happen with the Evil Dead franchise, they started covering Brisker County Jr. on a weekly basis, beginning with the, tw- the- actual date of the 20th anniversary so it went from me having this novel idea of this little tiny show that nobody really paid attention to to they're already on episode like 17 of their coverage and what's funny is listening to their episodes they're more like what you would expect from us from rolled spine because it's cursing and it's a lot of negativity and tangents and jumping up on a soap opera for political points it's like all the trademarks of rolled spine and yet the rolled spine show is a clean show you know we're, we're playing clean we're, we're trying to keep it short we're trying to keep it on point but one thing I couldn't let go of was was that X-Files was the hit out of this night's combo. Here in Houston, Briscoe would be on at 7 o'clock and X-Files would be on at 8. And I was tuned in to Briscoe because I was a fan of Army Darkness and and Evil Dead. I loved Bruce Campbell. And the show hooked me in very quickly as well, even though I was never that big into Westerns. And I'd occasionally watch X-Files, but I found it boring, to be honest with you. It didn't grab me the same way. Over the course of the series, I watched more episodes and enjoyed more of those episodes, but I'd never really considered myself a fan. And so I'm watching this moment where the professors Brought in the orb, and he's talking to Briscoe. And Briscoe's wanting answers to the the mystery of the orb. And the professor keeps saying, This is faith. You've got to have faith. You're going to be healed. You have a a, a mission. We are going to meet again. You're going to go after John Bly again, but you're just going to have to have faith and take this orb. And it heals him and it gives him the opportunity to go back to be a hero and begin righting wrongs. And what gets me in watching the show is it's very old fashioned. As as we talked about in the pilot episode, I feel like the people who were at the networks at the time look at the show to remind in the shows of their youth, and they loved it in a way the actual audiences of that time didn't, and it was not embraced by those audiences. Most of those people ended up going to X-Files instead. It ended up being a last hurrah for that clear-cut, good and evil, right and wrong kind of storytelling, and then X-Files ended up becoming the big thing in the 90s, and the 90s were a somewhat cynical time, a sarcastic time. That show made sense that time period, but I feel like we, we look in the modern day and we see what that's wrought. You've got so many people that question everything that are so pessimistic about everything that have gone so whole hog into these bizarre belief systems based on assumptions of conspiracy from the government or from the medical community or whatever and they embrace these bizarre theories that have no bearing on science and most of the time they're projecting those theories onto this box that was created by people that are way smarter than them that they can't understand and yet they're using it to communicate this nonsense that they believe. I look at Briscoe County and it's like how much different would the world have been if instead of continuing the trajectory that began in the Watergate era of Distrusting everything and being cynical about everything, if we'd gone back to a little bit of right and wrong, good and evil, this is the way we do things. This is not the way we do things. Not only is it refreshing to watch a show that has that simplistic morality, but it also makes me wonder, you know, how much better off we'd be if maybe a few more people had embraced that instead of deciding that they were going to put on a tinfoil hat and be nutjobs. jobs.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, when you put it that way, they're, they're, the the tones of the show are not just the tones. I don't know, the universes that the shows are in are just completely different. And, and and like you said the explanation of just oh no just have faith that's that would n- <laughs> like that's the exact opposite of an X-Files episode mm-hmm. right yeah I think I think that's an interesting point I think you're totally right I think I think the executives this reminded them of their childhood totally and I, I think it just came out at the wrong time or, or maybe it was missing one little thing uh, maybe Briscoe needed to be more of an anti-hero you know because this was the age of anti-heroes too mm-hmm. he's not really an anti-hero he's, he's oh
1: not remotely an anti-hero not, not even close pure, right pure, I mean Whereas, he's he's more sophisticated than the western heroes of old he's obviously an educated person um, yeah. but he's true blue you know good guy there's no question about it
2: so this was the age of anti-heroes and, and if you weren't working against the system because that's what Mulder and Scully they were quote unquote cops right they were FBI agents or whatever agency they worked for well, not just that they uh, were kind
1: of like rogue agents to some degree too they were with the FBI much so. but they were constantly trying to undermine and, and go after elements that they were best you know thought best buried so yeah
2: right right so if it turned out out that Socrates pool was actually a... was was actually John Bly or something. You you had a Kaiser Sose moment, uh-huh. and that's what they'd been working for the whole time, and turns out he was going after... I mean, maybe that's what the show needed to appeal to audiences in the, in the 90s and even today, right? Uh, yeah, but uh, it would have
1: been a different show, and I don't think we'd be Totally.
2: No, no, totally. It totally yeah. would have been, but I'm just... I mean, because if I, you
1: think about it, Lord Bowler is kind of the anti-hero of the show, and he's the one who's singing Amazing Grace, so that sure didn't hold up long.
2: Right, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, it's just... it was just a bizarre point in time where things went a different way. Mm
1: -hmm. One last bit too I wanted to mention is the guy who plays Professor Ogden Coles is uh, Brandon Maggard and he's another one of those, that guy, I know that guy but him specifically I knew who that guy was back when the show came on and it's been so many years since I had to go look it up. He played the character Lou Waters on the television show Brothers which was a Showtime original sitcom that ran for five seasons. I believe it had cursing the big reason why it was on cable was that it was a show about two brothers and then a third younger brother came out as gay and a lot of the show was about straight America dealing with the gay in the family so he was very much ahead of his time and it's funny because the character he played was definitely the surly walking on the fight inside of me kind of construction worker dude and so to see him play such a cool calm sophisticate in this show was a complete reversal from that and getting once I was reminded of the character I was familiar with from the brothers seeing him play such a
2: completely opposite character was uh, amusing for me as well interesting he looked familiar but I, I don't think I'm familiar with the yeah, that,
1: uh... Brothers, I don't know if it ever ran on regular television. It...
2: Hmm, interesting.
0: Frisco! The Adventures oh, of Frisco County Jr. will continue after these messages. The Adventures of Frisco County Jr. is brought to you by Kellogg's. The best to you each morning. What is Council of Geeks? Well, despite the name, it's actually just one kind of pretentious guy on YouTube who rants at camera a lot and just goes on and on about things like doctor who and marvel movies and star wars and i meant once the council of Geeks podcast feed oh that well it kind of depends on when it is you're looking at it what does that mean well it's been a lot of things at a lot of different times originally it was just longer versions of roundtable talks that uh, the guy who runs the thing used to have It was the home of 90s comics retrial for a while Oh, I liked that show. Yeah, but, you know, then he did Executioner's song and it broke him, so he doesn't do that anymore either. Oh. There was Go Home Hollywood, You're Drunk. Winner of the Relatively Geeky Networks Award for Best New Podcast in 2017? Yep, that's the one. That's over, too. His co-host had a kid, and, well, he didn't bother ever trying to find somebody else. Oh. So what is it now? Well, at the moment, it is home to see a space cowboy where he is just going back through Cowboy Bebop and uh, taking it one episode at a time, putting his thoughts up after not having seen the thing in about 15 years. Okay, well what will it be after he's done with that? Stick around and maybe you'll find out what's next or catch up on the old stuff. It's still there. This is a very strange promotion. Yeah, well, he's a strange guy. First appearance of Superman in 1938, Batman in 1939, rock and roll born with Elvis' first album in 1956, the modern sitcom created in 1944. The point being that pop culture in all its forms was born during the 20th century. I'm Scott Weatherly and please come and join me on 20th Century Geek, a journey through the common and not so common elements of pop and geek culture. Every week, I alternate between a blog and a podcast as I look at something different, using roundtable discussions, interviews, reviews, and some general rambling. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher, or visit our website, 20thCenturyGeek.com. 20th Century Geek, the blog and podcast that meets your history and geeky needs. And now back to the adventures of
2: Briscoe County, Jr.,
1: Anything else on the episode before we go on to the mail? No, I mean, that's good. Okay, so we're looking at the coming thing, Chapter One, Bly Gang Murders Marshall Briscoe County. On Facebook, Guatam Shioran and Scott Rowland liked us. As far as Twitter goes, we got uh, the Lovin' from 108 Sage, Adam Blackmoon, Ali Bats, Andrew Leyland, Anime Freaks, Anime Nostalgia, Dr. Ange, Anthony the Insomniac Drunken Monk of Alterna fans, uh, Ardeur for Life, BGSU Batman Conference, Big Easy 77, Biko Django, Bob Buster, Camilla Guarin, Chris at Bad Books for Beginners, Chronosphere Fiction, The Cinebud Podcast, Coffee and Comics, Comics in the Golden Age, Daniel French Frischbonius Found Design, David Golding Art, Dog Days, Doc Strange, Dr. Carol Tilley, Dr. Gene Nerdologist, Dwight L. McPherson, Eb Sam, Felipe Alves Deo, Fritz Frankenstein, Gabriel Blake, Gregory Litchfield, the Hammer Strikes, Random Geeky Stuff, History of Comics on Film, The Hoopers Podcast, Ice in the Face, Jeffrey Brown, Jennifer DeRoss, Jeremiah French, Jerry Whitworth, John Horsley, Justice First Dawn, Keith G. Baker, Christados. Lie Hard Show, Longbox Crusade, Longbox of Darkness, Max Romero, Myrna Loy, Nerdfic Strangers, Nexus of All, Nicole at uh, Zaked Sphere, Paul Matthew Carr, Professor Frenzy, Rad Adventures, Rand Randy Caldwell, Ranger, blah, Ranger Gord, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Ruiz Morris, Richard G, Scott X, Sean Hall, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, Sean Merrick, Slangwood Scott, Steve Sellers, Talk Nerdy to Me, Tim Price, and Vigilante, Warlord Worlds, Webcast Four One One, Words and Pictures, Zack Sally, and Zombie Outlaw Comet Daniel French wrote, <laughs> Yeehaw. Mark Gray wrote. <laughs> Thanks, I've heard of this, but never seen it. Do you want to tell Martin Gray where he can see it over there in Scotland?
2: Hey, head over to Daily Motion. They got the whole damn thing. You can just stream it. Uh,
1: Dr. Carol Tilley wrote, how can it be 25 years already? And tell me about
2: it. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh,
1: Slangwood Scott wrote, I enjoyed this thoroughly. Thank you. Uh, You're B- welcome. <laughs> BGSU Batman Conference, which I, I know it spells out something different, I but I, I, I'm tired and we're doing this at the last minute, so I'm not going to look it up right now. Uh, he said, Bruce Campbell would have been a pretty good Bruce Wayne. And he showed a picture of him from the early '90s, and he was a damn handsome man. I don't know about, Br- I guess he would have been good Bruce Wayne. I'm not sure about Batman, though.
2: Uh, I don't know. I think he's got too much personality for Bruce Wayne. I don't. Know. <laughs> it's my opinion.
1: He's got chin though. He's got chin for days, so he wouldn't need the little plastic thing like uh, that's uh, true. Uh, Our boy um, Michael Keaton needed. But I, I think I I almost see him. He's got probably he could probably do Superman more than Batman. I think honestly, especially well, I mean,
2: I, now, now that Robert Downey Jr. has done Tony Stark, I think he would have been a great Tony Stark before Robert Downey Jr.
1: Ooh, well, I mean, he's I guess he's nah, he probably wouldn't want to put on the suit today though.
2: Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Yeah.
1: no. Uh, so Ryan Daly wrote. So Mac doesn't like the Untouchables, and then there was a sports gift, which I'm sure you could elaborate on that I can't.
2: I don't remember it. Shut up, Keith G. Baker.
1: No, 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 that was Ryan.
2: No, oh, wait, what? Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan Delay yes. sent that. Oh, I have to see the gif.
1: It's the it's the one where the basketball player is is like looking up and he kind of shakes his head and looks back down again.
2: Oh, gotcha. I, Sorry, Ryan Delay. I'm not a fan of The untouchables. It's super freaking boring. I guarantee that movie does not hold up. Watch it again.
1: Yeah, love The untouchables. Love the music, especially. I'd still. That's one of those songs where if I'm in the right kind of mood, I'm just walking down and I'm just hearing that as like my theme music as I'm walking someplace.
2: Uh, I mean, dude, doesn't it lose streak red to the fact that the it's just not even slightly historically accurate? Like, not even slightly historically accurate. I mean, come on, dude. Like w- – was that whole era not interesting enough you had to just make up your own stupid story i mean give me a break whatever kevin uh, costner go to hell
1: yeah it was a highly fictionalized account i never took it as being a biographical anyway i just saw it as an action movie there's no watching the movie there's no way you're gonna see that and think that any of that really happened the way they showed you know so i i don't sweat that i enjoyed it and i love brian De Palma anyway i'm a big diploma fan so um, nah, and, nah. and again that's one of those movies that i saw during that one day that i got to go to all the consen- stand, so I have a nostalgic tie to that as well. But no, I think it has great performances. I mean, I think that was one of Andy uh, Garcia's first big roles, which depending on your feelings for Andy Garcia may not make much of a difference to you. Uh, but I, I love Sean Connery, of course, in that. And it's it's actually one of the best Kevin Costner movies, too, as far as I'm concerned. So, great music, uh, beautifully directed. I think De Niro's great as Capone. I, I really dig that movie, honestly. I kind of, like, every time you guys start slamming the movie, it makes me want to go back and watch it again.
2: I find that film to be very touchable
1: (laughs) Um, so the final comment is from our boy uh, odell abner dracula uh and uh it's it's definitely a tangent Uh, let me read some of this the electric smart kind of has a hatchback maybe one long box fits back there but it's still hatchbacky 2 I'd buy a real station wagon tonight if I could find one, and I could make sure it handled winter roads better than that 93 Lincoln Town Car I had. The Smart is kind of a Merce- Mercedes. On the other hand, it's also kind of a swatch watch. Some of the time it bounces out, but when it snows, it leans more to the swatch side. Smart cars are Mercedes in the way Star Comics were Marvel. It's technically correct, but nobody talks, but nobody wants to talk about Alpha and Planetary instead of Evolutionary War and Follow the Mutants. I, I don't want to talk about Evolutionary War though. I'd rather talk about a Smart Car than Evolutionary Personally,
2: I bet a smart car is a absolute blast in the snow, dude. Like that is that sounds like hilarious. How often have you driven in snow, though? A couple times, but a smart car is it's so tiny, it's so tiny. Like that, you could spin out and it would just spin like you're in Spy Hunter when you hit the oil on the ground or something. It'd be hilarious. Well, well, anyway, when I was in school in
1: Colorado, there there was a bridge because I I was between. There was basically a, a junior high and a high school, and they were connected to each other by a bridge, and you could attend class at both simultaneously, which I did. And so when it got really bad in the wintertime, you could go up on that bridge and just watch cars slowly start to do donuts in the road. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be in a smart car in that circumstance or any car in that circumstance.
2: No, it'd be great. But uh, as far as wagons go, sir, there are plenty of wagons still for sale here in the United States. The E63 AMG is one of the greatest vehicles being produced on the planet currently. And you can buy that right here in the United States. It's only like $120,000. Only? Only. Yeah, anyway, the, the wagons are out there if you're looking for
1: them. Uh, and our final, final comment of sorts came from adrian uh, i'm impressed i must say seldom do i encounter a blog that's both equally educative educative and engaging and let me tell you you have hit the nail on the head the issue is something that f- too few men and women are speaking intelligently about i'm very happy i stumbled across this in my search for something relating to this i did not see where the link was to the uh viagra or whatever you know they were oh yeah about it was it.
2: definitely i guarantee you it was a uh, it was, discount uh viagra or whatever it was. yeah sounds legit <laughs> thank you for your comment i appreciate you liking this because you have interest in this okay i think that's it i, when I started to read that comment i was like this is a great uh, oh i see where this <laughs> is going you got me again